When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today we speak with the Enigma Ian Ottaway. Note, I said Enigma, not Enema Ian. He's done everything. He's hung out with Jeff Buckley. He writes poetry. He's asked Ian on the Black Rubber Motorcycle Club website. And he's releasing an album, including a track with Mark Lanigan. He's possibly the most unique and original person I've ever had on the show. He makes me want to have a deeper voice, and I'm glad I can call him a friend. Check out Ask Ian on BlackRubberMotorcycleClub.com for more info on his upcoming album. And follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe, rate, review, and share this. Now I'm going to shut up so you can enjoy Ian Ottaway. <coughs> Pardon me, sorry. I just poured tequila in my beer. <coughs> I had to throw that up. I said we will not go that dangerous today. Um, all right. I'd like to thank Mark uh, with that. Book. Fuck. This is just like all those videos they have where they try to say, Thanks, 102. Yeah. All right. I want to thank Performance Anxiety for having me on the show. Thank Mark for his hospitality, generosity, kindness, and time. Bless your heart. And uh, should be February. Looking for uh, Valentine's Day for my album, I and Out Away, Roll with the Damned. I got up a little late today, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah. What do you mean? It's 12-something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no yeah. problem. Yeah, because it was like about a week ago, probably, um, had a plane to catch for like the third time I missed it or something, you know. Oh, and, I, and I'm not, a, and I'm not a, a guy that sleeps late. I'm like a morning guy. Okay. But my trip was running so strange and gotten this, uh, I'm, I think I'm in... I think I'm in Paris. I'm in Paris and Berlin, one of those. Oh, <laughs> and I got up and was like, yeah, your plane's at like uh, two. And I'm like, all right, 3.30. I think I can make it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I never sleep till three. So it was a great magnet or something. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's, uh, yeah, see, I I don't I used to be, I, don't, I used to be a morning person, then college hit and then forget it. And then, and now, now I've had kids, so I, I'm forced to be a morning person. Oh my god! So, although they're they're all teenagers now, so. Oh, thanks. Yeah, but still, that'll keep you up. Yeah, none of them want to be morning people. My my youngest is a morning person. My son will literally sleep 24 hours if I let him. But well, they're not fully functioning, and man, they're running ragged. Oh. You know, schooling. 
Oh, no kidding. No kidding. It's, but, and they're all in marching bands, so they get exhausted after, after practices and, and marching and all the performances. That's finally over, so they can just kind of, I think it's all. They're power bar people. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's all kind of starting to wear off on them, and they're just ready to just blow off some steam by sleeping. So me, I do it because with uh, vodka. That's delicious. Yeah. Deep run. Oh, that would probably really jack me out. Virginia vodka right there. I was just I just ate something coming in here and this is in my studio slash bedroom so I, I may have to have a swig of that but yeah, um, especially with the holidays man it's like fuck when you're a little kid you know it's like magical it is it was you, yeah and you get older and you go man these people are fucking nuts <laughs> <laughs> the people piling up and wrecking them going yeah down the Gucci bag will still be there. Yeah. <laughs> the amazing thing to me is that when I was a kid, it took forever to get from Halloween to Thanksgiving and then Thanksgiving to Christmas. Now it's like boom, done. Now suddenly it's the next year. I'm like, what the fuck? How the hell was that was. How the hell did it get to the next year already? It's insane. I turn around, it's like today's the twenty third. I'm like, so tomorrow's Christmas Eve. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. When I was a kid, but when I was a kid, you know, from like uh, just those first those first twenty days, excruciating. Yes, just getting from the first to the third was like a full week. Yeah, so like, yeah, exactly. It was insane. You're going from thanks. You know, once you hit Thanksgiving, I was just like, forget it. This is the slowest time of year ever. And now I'm still like. I don't have gifts for people. I don't know. They're just going to have to wait, I guess. <laughs> Go in there and make a sandwich for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, people pretty much have everything they want with, if they have a cell phone, they've already probably ordered it off Amazon. Oh. You know? Yeah. That, you know, and that's, and that's a good way to, to, what do you want from me this Christmas? Could you be a little less annoying, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> Can I sleep for 24 hours for once? I, my son is, like, all mad at me. I have a son. He's 19, you know? Okay. He's, he's all pissed off because I kind of forgot the rule, which is, you know, your dad or whoever will say something. Um, and you go, I got to try it out for myself first. I got to know firsthand because it's about my experience, you know? Yep. And I said to my son, you know, stupidly, I was like, I was like, man, haven't you had that, uh, haven't you had that nose piercing for a little too long? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't look like a nose piercing to me. It looks like you need a Kleenex. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I said, you know, we get it. You know, you've had it for like three years. We get it. You're punk rock. You skate. You got a bone in your nose. Um, I was like, man, move to the next level. Cause you've got, you know, skills and talent, you know? Yeah. And he tried to take it out, and it wouldn't come out. And I was like, come on, do it. You can do it. And he couldn't. And uh, Oh. But anyway, um, it was just everybody reminded me, hey, it's his. He's got to wear it as long as it feels right. And I was like, I told him I was sorry. I said, I was out of line. And, I do that with my my kids. My I've got a 15, 16, and my oldest will be 17 in January. So I get that. I, I do that way more often than I mean to. Oh, 
formats. I don't know if I could do three. I, I could do the one badly. You know, I don't think it was good, too good either. When I said, you know, that dozer, I said, man, it's so like '97 Walmart. <laughs> I think that's why he's not talking to me now. <laughs> first, but I was like, gosh, said that shit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we get it. We get it. You're like Walmart skater. That's good. <laughs> you dad and i'm like i didn't mean it <laughs> it, it just comes out oh no you can't that's 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 i, I kind of stopped worrying about winning not well it yeah. hasn't been too long ago but i maybe maybe i just gave up i don't i'm not really sure which it ended up being well you you just can't control the fates of things you know i mean yeah you can help if you can but most of that shit's out of your hands i mean you give a little guidance but you know, uh, oh man! But I, I want to thank you for coming on and and uh, doing the show, man. I really do appreciate it. Oh, I was happy to be asked, man. Well, so when are you gonna? When you gotta tell me when we're gonna start this? Well, we kind of already have. It, this is basically oh, what the show Jesus. is. It's just can't put any of that on. <laughs> I can edit out anything you, gonna, you want me to. Okay, I, I thought you were gonna do a welcome to the Mark Show thing. You no. Know, <laughs> No, yeah. we just start talking, and uh, I mean, and that's the way it goes. But uh, I'm kind of known as uh, the I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so well, I guess I do kind of do the BMC ass guy and thing from time to time. So well, and that's that's one of the first things I wanted to to find out about was oh. that's that's where I know you from is okay. the uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club website. There's that section, yeah. Ask Ian. How well, did, can, can we? Can you give me a fake opening up? Like, can you give me a fake? Absolutely. That I can. That I'll edit out later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, so, uh, just puts me like in a in the right type of frame of mind. You know. Sure. Sure. So I'll it wait. feels like there's a start and a. You know. You got it. He got it. Wait. Let me. Let me <laughs> check my folk, my uh, volume control. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I was up all night getting my fucking bones smooched. Nice. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. My wife just got out of surgery. So. Mm. <laughs> What's up with that? Oh, man. Well, a few years ago. This is a weird story. So, this, okay. Welcome to Performance Anxiety. I'm here with Ian Ottaway. My wife just had surgery. She, uh, about three or four years ago, she had a partial hysterectomy. <sighs> and... Uh, I'm not, we're not exactly not sure what happened because little, it, it, it took a while, but she started afterwards, I'd say a year afterwards, maybe not even that much. She started, you know, she was, she was just having some, she was exhausted, tired a lot. And she had, um, she started feeling like this bloat, like this pressure on her stomach right. and, uh, it never really went away. And then she started getting pain. Like when she would eat something it would almost feel like she's trying to pass glass through her digestive system. Right, Jesus. Nobody could ever figure out what the problem was. And then uh, we, we went to a... We, we changed... Uh, oh, our primary care physician quit. He didn't retire. He, ha he sold his practice that his dad started in the 60s. And he sold out to uh, a big conglomerate kind of a thing. He got fed Next up with guy. it. Yeah, exactly. He got sick and tired of it, and literally just quit one day. So we went in. We we were uh, confirming an appointment that we had from for like a week, 
a week out and they're like, oh yeah, he quit. When he retired? No, he quit. Okay, so we had to go find a new primary care. So one of the first things that this, our new physician did was do this test on my wife because my wife was telling her how she was feeling. And she tested her C-reactive proteins, which is a little above and beyond, which we were grateful at. But when your C-reactive protein level is above the number three, they consider it, you know, an issue. She's on eight. No, she was on 17. So, so the, the physician was like, basically, your body's on fire fighting some kind of infection. We, we, just, we have to figure out. I'm trying to tell you something. Yeah. I know, I know something felt a little off. So, we're, so we, we just have to figure out. Or she, she was saying we just have to figure out what it is. And they ended up doing this uh, scan and they found a, a mass like, kind of behind one of her ovaries. And so what they did, they said, all right, well, we've got to, we've got to remove it, you know, continue the next phase of your hysterectomy, basically. So we scheduled all that and she went into surgery and they said it, it'll be um, uh, outpatient. It'll be a, a laparoscopy. So it'll be two small incisions. We'll take everything out and you'll be out of work for like a week. Well, I'm in the waiting room and the nurse calls me in the waiting room from the OR and says, well, it's well, and they did tests to find out it wasn't. It doesn't look like it was cancerous, so that was good. Right. But in the operating room, they said, "Well, we found what looks like endometriosis, and to get rid of it, we can't. I can't do it through laparoscopy. I'll have to actually cut her like a C-section, and I can. I can have her go to a specialist that can do it through laparoscopy. But you have to schedule that. So just let me know what you want to do. I said, just." Do it. Get get it done. She'd been suffering forever. So they're not sure if it was um, an old infection from the original hysterectomy or if it was something different. But they took out one ovary that was definitely not working and had the mass on it. And then one of the fallopian tubes and then got rid of all of that in old infectious stuff because she said it was everywhere. So she she cleaned her up, and then instead of a one week recovery, it's going to be like four to six weeks. So we're, we're wrapping up week number. Well, we guys, we're in the middle of week number one right now. Merry Christmas. Yep. <laughs> but she's feeling better. She's you know the inc- where the incisions were. Yeah, that's painful. You get a huge infection out of you and a bunch of old shit. You know, it's like God damn. Exactly. So that's that's. Uh, that one guy probably quit because he saw a lawsuit that you couldn't see coming. <laughs> maybe. You know what? Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, I've overlooked that completely. What am I doing? I got to go. See you. <laughs> Did I retire? No, I quit. I don't even know you. have changed my name to Singapore Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, so, we're both having weird, weird weeks here. So, I do appreciate you taking time when you i know you're not you're not feeling 100 percent at this point just to kind of tell me a little bit about the world of ian ottaway mm. so the first thing i want to know how did you hook up with brmc and, and become the ask ian guy yeah. um i'm not sure what year it was uh sure what, i think it started off they were recording with this uh 
it's kind of like a brother. His name is Billy Nagorski. Okay. And um, he's down in Philadelphia, and they were recording um, an album. And I used to write him back and forth from time to time. And uh, I put up a few comedy things. And um, Robert Bean, his father, Michael Bean, the late great Michael Bean. Yeah. Uh, they were into comedy, I guess. They would go to comedy stores. And, oh, cool. And that so, and I didn't really think that BRMC had a sense of humor, you know, but Billy yeah. did. But it turned out that they do. And, uh, so I think Robert had seen some silly arts thing that I had done, and he was like, "I gotta get a hold of this guy." And I, and I had met them before. I'd been to quite a few shows. Okay. Um, but it was through I think like a video that I had done that is no longer you know in existence. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and so he wrote me and he said, you know, he's, you know, we wrote back and forth and I really couldn't believe it was Robert Bean. And yeah, he's going, well, you know, be, you seem like a kind of person I'd, you know, like to do something creative with, you know, and he had all these wild ideas. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's, you know, <laughs> yeah, and it kind of uh, well, what's that called? mutated from there. And um just they have a big love for the fans and stuff, which I don't like that word. Okay. But, you know, just other people. Yeah. And uh, their, their whole thing from the beginning, kind of, in, I think the first album, uh, The Inner Sleeve, was like other bands' records. And it was like, you should buy these records. Yeah. Yeah, that. I know what you're talking about, yeah. And I was always super impressed by that. So we kind of... I think as guy and kind of sprung from that kind of spirit and okay. just really supporting other people, whether they're well-known or if they're just starting out or, you know, and it doesn't matter if you just started this week, you know, yeah. you're getting a shot. It's like, we like to support people. So that's kind of how it began. Okay. That makes a lot of sense because I had Leah on the show like almost a year ago now at this point, And, uh, mm -hmm. I, I through what you're saying, through you know, showing, hey, you should buy these records. Here, here's some advertisement for other bands in our own album. It makes sense, but I, I threw out to her because I know she had had that brain surgery, and I wanted yeah. and I wanted to find out more about how she was doing in the recovery and what she had to do. And uh, I sent her a message through Twitter, and. I don't know, two months went by and I'm like, ah, she's never gonna, I just throwing shit against the wall to see what sticks. And she, she got back to me. She's like, yeah, I'd love to do it. I'm like, Oh, uh, now I got to do it. Okay. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. And, uh, while she was on and talking to me, Pete was there and he just hopped on and we just started chatting. I'm like, this is amazing. This is one of my favorite bands of all time. And here I am chatting about, you know, slicing up. Yeah. Slicing up with Leah's brain and, and, yeah. uh, Pete talking about doing an album of old country western covers. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's. Uh, what did I used to say? Well, I don't think it was. It was me. It was. Uh, it was uh, Robert who said, uh, "Not just BRMC, not just a band, but a medical condition." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, a lot of people can relate to that because a lot of our fans are, you know, you know. Yeah, I. <laughs> I fall right in there. <laughs> so, and in fact, that's that's one of the uh, my the most downloaded shows that I've had is the one with Leah and Peter. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. That one. 
So, all right. So how did you get into music in the first place? Um, well, that started when I was four years old. Uh, you have to take you back that far. That's but cool, I, man. That's what the show's all about. Yeah, I was back. It was probably when I was four years old. And uh, my uh, my mom and dad had a record by uh, Chris Christopherson called Silver Tongue Devil. The Tally Ho Tavern Buy me a bottle of beer And I sat me down by a tender young maiden Whose eyes were as dark as her hair And as I was searching from bottle to bottle For something And I heard that and they played it a few times during the week and it was pretty soon after that that I come walking on my dad's boots and I'd sing like most of those songs, all the lyrics, like I could sing those lyrics and they, you know, some of their friends would come by and go, watch this. They'd put on Silver Tongue Devil. So that's when it really, (laughs) yeah, that, uh, when I was four, it was Chris Christopherson. Then when I was about eight, seven or eight, my great grandma, she, uh, she had the Bible, and then she had an Elvis book, and then she had a record player with Elvis. So then it was Elvis, you know, Elvis Presley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> but not that other Elvis. No. But, uh, yeah, then it just kind of moved on. I went through a real bad phase of uh, having pretty bad taste. <laughs> and I, then I got to Kansas City, and I met this uh, mentor kind of guy named uh, David and... Uh, he was, he was, he had a good approach to me, but he was like, you know, you've really got to stop listening to all this butt rock. Butt rock. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, it's turning you into a total dick. You, know, <laughs> you got to stop listening. He goes, he goes, if you want to learn, I'll help you learn. And I said, yeah. And so he goes, all right, here's your homework. And he gave me um, a little record player, gave me Iggy Pop and the Stooges, gave me the Sex Pistols. He gave me Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I he gave you. me the birthday party, um, Pussy Galore, and a lot of stuff like that. And then he gave me um, William Burroughs' book, Charles Bukowski, and Jack Kerouac, and just a lot of different writers. So I was, you know... And then from there on, then I was, you know, really an outcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, who do I, who do I talk to about the birthday party? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but that completely changed my life. And then I just went to Los Angeles. I met a lot more people, um, like myself, of course. I went to Seattle first, then Los Angeles. Okay. And Seattle kind of turned me around, too, with that whole, because I got there before the explosion. So I was seeing, like, the way that people know Nirvana. It's not the way that I here and know Nirvana. It's a, the way the world sees Nirvana is not the way I see it because okay. it was, a, I don't know what you would call it. It just had a different, you know, but it wasn't popular yet, you know. Right, yeah. Right, right around when Bleach came out or something. Okay. And you know, I was seeing that and Mother Love Bone and oh, Mother, Mother Love Bone. Yeah, who else was it? Of course, Soundgarden, Screaming Trees, Tad. And then okay. I got. I got the hell out of there, though, because you could feel the whole city changing. Oh, really? And I, yeah, and I had a chance to go to Hollywood, so I went up there. 
first day I'm there, I meet the singer of Red Cross, you know, he's bringing over Eric Cake, and I met the guy, uh, Angelo from, uh, I can't even think of the band name now, it's so sad. <laughs> Fishbone. Oh, so okay, I'm, yeah, yeah. So I met him at uh, Denny's Rock and Roll, Denny's on Sunset. Okay. He lived a little down, and I said, I said, I said, God damn, you're Angelo. You know, he said, I said, are you all right? He goes, I'm feeling, feeling down. <laughs> so what happened? He goes, my girlfriend left me. Oh, no. I said, oh, shit. He said, yeah, and every night I'd go get her a Coca-Cola at midnight. That's how much I loved her. I said, well, what happened? Why'd she leave you? She left me for Eddie Murphy. What? <laughs> I said, that's, that's mighty different. That's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So then it was from that to then, um, you know, and going to like uh, keg parties and garages where Duff McKagan's at. And you're going, hey, you're Duff McKagan from Guns. And it was like the last rock and roll days, Hollywood almost. Okay, <laughs> yeah. And then it kind of moved into where I got into like British music, like Suede and Verve. Oh, I love the Verve. Of course, the cult was always in there, you know, through the years. Yeah. Um, got into the Verve and uh, Suede, spiritualized, and yep. started a band or found a band and was playing at the Troubadour and the Whiskey and oh, nice. doing more space, you know, a British thing. Uh, way influenced by the whole British type of the charlatans and okay. Ride and Stone Roses. Yeah, all that. So. And then, so that's how, yeah, my music kind of thing. And then as soon as I left, then uh, BRMC kind of was going. Okay. And then I made a, a lot of uh, some crazy stuff happened. I hate that when people say crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wacky things. <laughs> There's insanity. Yeah, so I went out to see an old friend out there at Venice Beach, and uh, he was a taxi driver and a uh, philosopher and all this. And he goes, I found this band that is your band. I mean, and he had also turned me on to different things through the years, you know. Okay. Jeff, Jeff Buckley and, uh, I mean, everything uh, before Jeff. I mean, we actually went and met Jeff Buckley. That's how kooky it was. All right, so you got to tell me about that because I absolutely love Jeff Buckley. All right. Um, I'm just going to wrap this little part up. Yeah, but yeah. He goes, I got these free 45s. He goes, this is your band. He goes, I, this is your band. And I go, okay, okay, Michael. <laughs> and I get there, and he goes, I got a split, but check out these, these albums, you know. And I was like, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. And I put on White Palms, the song White Palms, and I went, I'm going to know these people. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that was that. But I knew I was going to know him and just, you know, have that, I don't know. That's fantastic. Listen to that spirit world asshole stuff and, you know. Yeah. Just had a weird thing about it. That's awesome. I mean, it, mine, I, I didn't, it wasn't that extreme. My brother just showed me the, uh, the first album. He's like, I think he would like this. Gave it to me and that was it. They suddenly became like. Like my my top bands at that time were Led Zeppelin, The Verve, Devin Townsend, anything related to yeah. Devin Townsend, and I'm BRMC just kind of jumped everybody at that point. Yeah, they have that kind of uh, whatever that old Verve thing is. Yeah, you know, 
I'm not sure if there's a name for it. But. No, I, I, but I know what you mean. It, it, it's something intangible. There's something about the whole, the music as a whole. You, you can't really explain it. I haven't been able to. I mean, and I don't think space rock, you know, does it justice. No. Yet. Yeah, exactly. It's it's some kind of a mix of, of shoegaze and stoner rock. It's, I don't know. Yeah. But exactly. it also, it has a universal type of strangeness yeah it's it's like reggae it's like the unknown known it's something like some just recognize almost feels like from other lifetimes or something right it just has this strange sound it's, and the name and the band name fits right in with it you know how many bands you know with it was such a long name <laughs> black rebel motorcycle club it, yeah i think only they could pull that off yeah <laughs> <laughs> even though some you know through the years often you know uh, I know they get it and I've got it a few times oh so you think you're in a motorcycle club buddy oh, God. <laughs> wait, wait a minute hold on <laughs> no there's this whole movie guys there's this whole movie yeah you gotta so, watch this movie I forgot who was the last oh it was yeah <laughs> some, old, some old guy at this uh, old cowboy country and western bar so, you think you're in a motorcycle club? Okay. Let, me, let me tell you something. There was once this guy named Marlon Brando. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody, in, you know, everybody does ride, you know, in, in the band. So, yeah. and um, the last motorcycle I rode was in Texas, and I didn't wreck it, so I was proud of myself. That's excellent. But usually, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, um, I've wrecked more than I've, you know. <laughs> I haven't had any long trips, you know. I've had those pretty much those short trips. I'm that guy that's, uh, we call my friend up and they go, hey, is that guy in that flew through your front yard over the handlebars? Is it all right? And I go, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let me check it out. <laughs> hey, he's, he's still there. I remember I did that on a friend's, uh, I couldn't stand that motorcycle, so maybe that's why I went for it. But it was one of those little rebels. Uh-huh, yep. Oh, the irony. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Went flying through there. And, uh, yeah. Oh, my Well, my, my dad was a professional motorcycle crasher, and so, so am I. So. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> my dad was the exact opposite. He's like, you're never getting on one. And I've only been on one. <laughs> you, know, you gotta, you gotta, they're fun and beautiful, but oh, God. My dad was more of the hot rod guy. We were we were building a like a a twenty nine Model A with a three twenty seven Chevy side pipes, flat black. You know that wow. that motherfucker. Was, that's one of my favorite cars that he's ever built. So I, I was more to the car aspect of wheels. I, I couldn't even. I was in uh, small engines in high school. Yeah. Everybody else had a partner. My partner. Uh, what's that called when you? leave high school he dropped out, he dropped out. <laughs> so i was just stuck alone with a fucking lawnmower engine. <laughs> and uh can i cruise yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so there i am stuck alone everybody else is like a car buff guy i'm i was just looking to get some knowledge i don't even know how i put that damn thing back together it didn't start <laughs> i think it's spoken tongues or something but it didn't start but yeah, when you were talking to me about your dad's car, you know, you got a free 357 Magnum inside of a Colt 45. And you're like, you're talking guns. I'm like, yeah. that's what it sounds like. It's guns and hot rods. And <laughs> I wanted to be a car guy, but I could never. 
357 at a 413, you got two fuel injection <laughs> mermaids in a tranquil. You're pretty yeah. close. <laughs> that <would> be... <laughs> well, that's because that's I stole that from a Beach Boy song. Uh, <laughs> 357 and a 413. I remember the 413. That's a boat anchor of an engine. I wanted to be a car. You know, I love cars in real life and films, but you asked me to. Hey, I can change the oil. Oh, good. Good. I can air up tires. This, <laughs> this day and age, man, changing oil is no easy feat. You know those, just on a real quick thing, you know those uh, air gauge pressures that look like a pin you yes. keep in your breast pocket? Yes. Yeah, anyway, my dad always carried one of those around. But then I was over in Germany with some people in a small village. Okay. And uh, anyway, this older guy I was with, he wanted to get his tires checked before this uh, long trip. And I said, yeah, well, why don't you just get one of those, you know, little pin pressure gauges, you know. And... Uh, but we're in a little village, a little German village. Okay. And this guy hauls out this machine that looks like R2-D2's grandma. You know? <laughs> and it's got plugs and tubes and all this stuff. Oh and I, I go, what the hell is that, man? And this guy goes, so you check the chap. <laughs> this is how you gauge the tire pressure on the machine. I go, you just, you just need one of those little pins, man, you know. He's like, no, we use this machine here. That's, and I was like, man, so that Christmas, I sent that next Christmas, I sent that guy up one of those little pin gauge pressure. You know? <laughs> this is all it takes. I said, yeah, you can throw away R2-D2's mama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. So, like to make it simpler. so you hung out with Jeff Buckley at some point. How did that come about? Because I absolutely love his music. Yeah. Um, this is back like uh, 90s, of course. So before he died. And, uh, yeah, no, it was after he died. <laughs> it was in purgatory. <laughs> so we were in purgatory and his pants were still wet. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> My hands are still black. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, scratch that. <laughs> Uh, okay, so was, Jeff Buckley's still alive. A lot of his songs are about that water stuff, you know. Yeah, um, it was really weird because um, it was in fact weird. I was down in Portland, Oregon, with the, the guy that turned me on to BRMC, Michael. Okay, and Michael, if you're out there, come in for missing in action. <laughs> um, but anyway, we were down in Portland and. We were at this uh, kind of old famous club. I don't think it's still around called Satyricon. Okay. And it was a pretty strange place. And It sounds like a weird I, place. Yeah, it was a rock and roll kind of club. And uh, I think the last guy that I'd met there, he said, uh, he offered me heroin. <laughs> I said, if you got any gum, yeah. you know, <laughs> please. And uh, I think right. he said, I think he said, do you want some Chiba? And I said, is that, is that like an, I, but then I knew. So anyway, I hightailed it out of there and I'm with some woman I met there. We get back to her joint and on her, on her nightstand is a, like a photo booth photo 
of her and this like 300 pound biker guy with long hair, beard, mustache. And I go, who's that? She goes, he's my boyfriend. Oh, I said, I got to get out of here. And, yeah. yeah. So I finally get a hold of Michael because we don't have cell phones or cameras. Right, or anything. Right, yeah. And he's going crazy because he couldn't find me. And he finally makes it over and he's been up all night. I don't know. And he gets mad at me and he picks up a rock to hit me with it. Oh. And I said, are you mad? So, anyway, he goes, you can just find your own way back home. And I said, what the hell? And he gets in his car and we had also been to Powell's bookstore where I had found this like book that's signed by an author from like 1854. Oh, wow. And I had bought that. There's like, what, 25 of them in the world. And he drives down the street in his little piece of shit car. And he throws my book out the window, this signed edition from 1854 or whatever. God. and, And I have no ride. I have got nothing, you know. Um, so what I did, because I'm kind of into witchcraft, is I threw a hex on him. Okay. And you kind of do a physical thing, and it's kind of like it's throwing a like base. This. You know, it's kind of like throwing a black baseball. Oh, okay. But it's spiritual. Okay. So anyway, I I uh, get some help from home, and I greyhound it or. Green tortoise it, I can't remember. That was a different bus line for hippies. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally get back to Hollywood and stuff, and I hear from him later that he had got back to Hollywood and a pimp. <laughs> like a like a total stone cold pimp. In a fur coat and a fedora with a long Lincoln had hit his car at like seventy eight miles an hour and totaled his car. Oh my god. And the police and ambulance people were like, man, you you almost should have died in that wreck, you know. And I told him, I said, that's what you get for fucking with the hex. See? <laughs> <laughs> don't no, throw so, my books. Yeah, don't don't disrespect old art like that. Exactly. I mean, come on. Oh, it's just a Van Gogh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's it to you, man? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyway, for some weird reason, he, he called me up and he goes, I feel bad. I feel bad about what happened. And he goes, I, I'd like to take you to this show of this this kid of that Tim Buckley guy that I played you before. Is a song that Siren used to scare the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes, he has a son that's really great named Jeff Buckley. And I said, that, I said, that sounds great, you know. And uh, so we got the Tower Records on Sunset Strip. And uh, I took a seat right at the front, you know, and Jeff Buckley came out and he had a white V-neck T-shirt, jeans, chain wallet, combat boots. And he was really good looking. Yeah, he was. He yeah. Was. And that, that cat opened up about into the first song or two. And his nick, he would do this really strange nick kind of movement okay. when he would it's vibrato type thing. And I don't know, this this was from the album Grace, and they were doing shows and doing in stores. Right, right.
anyway, so they played the entire album of Grace, like acoustically, basically. And the whole thing, you know, I am like crying through the whole thing. You know? I know that feeling. Totally crying through the whole damn thing like a big old poon <laughs> tank. <laughs> and then yeah, he does the last song, and I get up, and I feel changed. Like, oh, my God. I said, I need to go outside, you know. So I'm waiting through all these people. Get up the stairs there at Tower, starting to go out the door, and I hear, Hey! <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think anything of it. People are talking. People are yelling. Yeah. Keep kind of going, and I hear again, you know, a really loud, Hey, you! And finally, I turn around and through this sea of people, I see Jeff Buckley's Richard Gear-looking face, you know, <laughs> and looking right at me. And I go, you know, and you do the thing that they do in movies where you look past your left shoulder, your right shoulder, like, is he talking to me? You talking to me? Yeah, you talking to me. And I said, are you said me? And he was, yeah, you, yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, you know, so uh, OMG. You know, way before, before, way before OMG. And uh, I walked down the stairs, and I walked straight through all those people, and he was waiting for me kind of behind this. It was behind where they were playing. It wasn't a backstage. It was like a, I don't know, it was just kind of a private section or whatever. That was like a and, stock room, because it's a tower records. <laughs> it was just, but it was, you know, it was just on the floor. He was oh, okay. kind of standing out there. And, and anyway, I walked up, and he, and he's looking at me. I mean, and he's beautiful. And and I'm going. I do something wrong. Yeah. He goes. He goes. Did you like it? And I go. Come again. <laughs> did you like? Did you like the music and, and everything? And I go. I thought it was one of the dumbest things I had ever heard. You know. Yeah. I, go, I said no. I think you suck. Are you fucking nuts? Yeah. I said I'm out there like crying my balls off. You know. I mean. Yeah, I'm kind of probably going to buy this record. Yeah. And uh, he was just like, I just really wanted to know what you thought. And I think he probably saw me out there looking like a, some old granny, you know. Yeah. yeah. Some weeping old granny. And so we just got to meet, and um, I asked him for a guitar pick, which I later, later gave to uh, a guy who was going through a divorce, you know, and he really liked Buckley after I turned him off Buckley. And, I was like, I want you to have this pick. He's like, really? It's Jeff Buckley's. I was like, yeah. He lost it a week later. Oh, put a hex on that guy. But yeah, I think uh, Jeff, I don't mean must have seen me out there. Just really kind of, I don't know. Feeling so, your al- feeling his album, man, probably. Yeah, it was really, he was a spooky kind of guy anyway. But then he was, and he, well, we had said a few other things that were really funny. But, you know, we made fun of a few things. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he had me rolling. I mean, he was really funny, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I think, I think it was right after that that I saw him at the Roxy, where he was wearing that fake fur black coat with the red rose. And but yeah, he was pretty phenomenal. And this is before the whole where everybody thinks he wrote Hallelujah thing. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. So, but he was really um, sweet and intelligent and. Um, very funny, you know, I mean, humorous, in a good sense of humor, I mean, you know, it's, a little dark. it's really amazing the amount of stuff that has been released by him since he put one album out and then died. Yeah. Yeah. The amount yeah, of stuff he recorded it, is incredible. 
yeah, I think his mom, son of God, has a lot to do with that. And, yeah. Uh, but if, I mean, man, because there, yeah, I mean, because what was there like, uh, oh, that one album that came out afterwards. Yeah, Sketches uh, from a Sweetheart the Drunk. Yeah. yeah. That came out right around my birthday. I felt like, oh, that's oh all, wow. That's all ghostly. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. really love that. And there were some really good, really great songs on there. They just weren't probably fully recognized like he would have wanted. Yeah, yeah. And, but then she, you know, they released the Legacy Edition of Grace with uh, an entire second disc of unreleased stuff. And then there's a whole the, bunch of other stuff. It's the White Boy, the live White Boy. Yeah, thing. yeah, Mystery White Boy, live at Chenet. Yeah, well, that was unbelievable. Yeah, and that, that went from an EP to like, like a three-disc set. Where he does that, um, oh, what's his name? I like to play for people where he's doing that, uh, the way young lovers do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And right at the end, he hits those cart. I, they go, how many octaves do you have? And he had cartoon. He hits cartoon yeah. note. And people, I like to watch their eyes when I play that one section. And they always look at the speaker like, did I hear that correctly? Yep. And he's, there's no effects because it's at a cafe. I mean, you know, I mean, that was pretty frightening. Yeah. And, and I like the little vignettes in between where he's doing little bits of comedy and stuff. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Like I said, he was, the little I met with him, um, you could tell that, yeah, he was somebody you'd like to be around and spend time with, you know. See, yeah, that was really sad. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I literally got into him just after he died. I didn't, a friend of mine said, "You've got to listen to this. Said, this is amazing." They, oh yeah, he died. When? Yeah, it was uh, really weird. And when he died, that same guy that took me to see him, Michael, this Michael character, he actually called me on the phone out there in Los Angeles, and he said, "Did you hear the news? Did you hear the bad news?" And I go, "Oh shit." And he goes, yeah. And I go, fuck, his Bob Dylan was sick that week. Oh. Fuck, God damn. I said, Bob Dylan's died. And he goes, no, Jeff Buckley. And I didn't know which one was worse. Or yeah. Then I was really torn up, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And so that was this extra, you know, roller coaster, yeah. you know. What was that little bell? You run in a convenience shop? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't even hear that. That was my... I think that was my wife. They just left the. I think she came in and left without me knowing. Sounded like those because now society is pretty much run off um, sound tones. Like if you watch a lot of films like I do, or you just listen to life, everything is like you walk into a convenience store. Yeah, <laughs> and if it's not that, it's, yeah, if it's not that, it's them yelling at you. Hello, welcome to. I, mean, yeah. I, I live about 75 miles due west of D.C. And so whenever I go into D.C., it, God, even in the town I live in, now that I think about it, you walk down the sidewalk and wow. even the, the, uh, the signal lights beep for blind people. I think there's like four blind people or in my entire town, if that. But we got to have everything set up so they, they don't get run over. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, kind of like pre-Blade Runner. Yeah, well, hey, that's that's history now, technically. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, strange out there. All right, now, when we were discussing doing this show, you uh, you threw out some other stories that kind of intrigued me, and I want to know a little bit more about some of these. Okay. You threw out 
that um, Maynard James Keenan thinks you're weird. Well, he did. (laughs) How did you meet Maynard, and what the hell could you possibly do to make him think you're weird? That was, you know, when they first started out, and I went from Seattle to Hollywood. Okay. And uh, um, my friend, uh, or ex, Marnie, she... uh, she goes, you really need to see these two bands in general. Um, they're playing tonight. I mean, everything was always so weird. She <laughs> goes, they're playing tonight at Club Lingerie. It's Tool and Rage Against the Machine. And I go, never heard of them. And nobody had, I mean. Yeah. And I think there was probably maybe 50 or 60 people there, maybe, you know. Wow. So you're just right in the front to see what she's talking about. Yeah, and both of those bands uh, pretty intense when they yeah. first out because there was no light show. There was, you know, yeah, it was, Maynard would come out and do his thing, and uh, that was pretty intense. And then, of course, Zach from Rage would come out, and that was pretty intense. Oh yeah. So, but after that night, I said, uh, I mean, you just knew that they were going to take off, you know. And they so they would play more shows around town, smaller shows, and um, I can't think of this man. It was an old punk rock kind of club. My my memory, <laughs> but it really small, really small. And Tool played there, and the ceiling fell out a bit. Oh, and uh, but I went up to him. I think I was trying to talk to him about crow birds, like crows, you know. Okay. And, so, and he was friends with another friend of mine. It was a pretty strange time, but, uh, I don't know. I was, but he's, you know, he's into Carl Young or how do you pronounce that? And yeah. I think he had a pet turkey at one time. So, you know, weird people thinking other weird people. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all a bit, I think if I'm at a tool show, I'm probably pretty weird. It's pretty cool to see the size of them now and that the whole world, and you know, I mean, it's yeah. become like a complete business machine and they and they do what they want and they get to do it like he gets to do a lot of uh, his own winery and so yeah. that's pretty cool you know yeah and it's uh, it's it's amazing to me to think that a band that heavy and that intense was in the number one spot when their new album came out I mean they just took over every streaming platform every every chart everything and I never, ever would have imagined that when Undertow came out. Yeah, I, I thought, yeah, that's what I thought. Because uh, I was seeing them at, like, uh, Scientology. <laughs> like, we were renting out Scientology, like, you know, auditoriums. and like the pre-opiate days. <laughs> yeah, it was. that's when I was, you know, first seeing them, like, opiate was out, and then Undertow wasn't out yet. But right. to... But now it's it's all different, you know. Um, and their drummer, I, got, I met him a few times. Uh, Danny, he's from and he's from like Kansas or Kansas City, so he's a Midwest kid like I am. And yeah, you know, huge guy. But yeah, yeah. You know, he's an enormous yeah, person. I, I was trying to you know understand their cover art, so my questions probably came out a little strange, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it didn't help when I grabbed his balls. Oh, just kidding! Just kidding! <laughs> just kidding! So that's no, but, why Maynard thought you were okay. 
So yeah, it, <laughs> probably just my questions were weird. And it was in the early days. I mean, you know, he was a different person. I was a different person, you know. But it was it was great to see them and Rage Against the Machine start from nothing and yeah. to tell my friends, you really ought to check this out. And all they had was demos. You just had demo cassettes. I have that. You have, with, yeah, with the, the wrench with on the, it? Yeah, the testicle wrench. Yes. Yeah. And when, somebody, uh, yeah, that got stolen from me pretty quick. Oh, damn. Yeah, I remember when uh, uh, Opiate had, no, I guess Undertow had just come out. I got that, and I'm one of those that when you get, when I get into a band and I like them, I go and get everything. Right. So I went back and picked up Opiate, and I read liner notes. I I love having artwork in front of me that I can touch and hold and read. The, so I read the liner notes and said, for a cassette of demos or something, you know, write to us here at this P.O. box and send seven bucks or something. So I did it. And a few weeks later, I get this cassette, and, cause I, and it didn't even say what was on it. it. You know, I didn't. I had no idea what the hell was on it. And it's this cassette with like five or six tracks on it, and that right there, I can pull it out right now. It's, I know exactly where it is. Hold the place. Don't do that. I steal it. Oh, I know. I like I like what you said. Where you go, uh, you know, and I know it's not younger kids thing so much anymore. But I like that you get. That's how I was. That's how I grew up. You know, is that I remember uh, getting an album, not an album, but a cassette tape by the Colt. It was called the Colt's Love Album. Okay. And it was on Sire. I just remember this because, well, I'm weird. But it, was, <laughs> it was on Sire Records, and it was the first cassette tape that I had seen that was clear. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember because all cassette tapes were black, or they were They're like white, that, that, that off-white yeah. thing. And uh, this was clear. And I thought, wow, that's strange. And I pulled it out, and I remember... However, it was manufactured, but it smelled like whatever my idea of Spain would smell like. Okay. It smelled really uh, Day of the Dead, Spain, Mexico. It just had kind of a, it didn't have a food scent. It just had more of a spice. Okay. But it had a very strange spice, you know, type scent. Okay. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I grew up like, there was usually posters and albums, and then I'm sniffing tapes. <laughs> yeah. and you're always reading the liner notes, and the, you look. And if you didn't get, where's the fucking lyrics? Yep. I'm walking around town singing the wrong shit. Yeah. No. Oh no! My, the worst for me was when you would buy a cassette and you'd open. It, first of all, it would have like half the cassette cover would be the artwork. The bottom half was white with the track listing on it. That that was awful. And then you pull the cassette out and there's nothing on the other side. Yeah, that, that was, was a rip. I felt yeah, I felt ripped off at that. What point. a rip! <laughs> I've, always, I've always loved when people do you know just. It's all a part of it. It's everything. It's like almost the five senses, you know, for me. Yep. But I know that that's not how people listen. It's not younger people's ways. Their ways are not our ways. And, exactly. I, and 
yeah, sure, I feel like they're missing out on that, but they're they're picking up that type of stuff in other parts of their lives. So yeah, you know, it's all changed. And, it's it's that you know having a nose ring for three years thing. But it's it's funny because now I'm finding that my kids are picking up bands that I listened to when I was, you know, late teens, early twenties. My daughter's into shoegaze. Like wow. old stuff, you know, like my bloody Valentine and, and, and yeah, that's always a blessing. It's it is. It's it's look I hope so. She's basically they're all just raiding my my uh CDs. I've got about thirty five hundred CDs down in in the room below me. And they're always at least, just, she's, at least she's not coming in with wearing assless chaps telling <laughs> you that she likes twisted sister. <laughs> that's true. That is very you know, true. But, yeah. <laughs> so I was looking at, at uh our text the other day, and, and I'm reading some you of the should, stuff. Really quick, sorry, I'm sorry. You should get her some Galaxy 500. Oh yeah, I I have to check. I've got some. I have to see if she's pulled that out. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the the band she came out with the other day that that she loved. It was some. It wasn't Lush. It was. Oh, I can't remember what it was. It was, it was like a. It was that type. It was like a shoegazy type of band. And I was like, yeah. you got good taste, kid. Yeah, I love that. But you've got. I mean, you met. You ran into failure. Uh, you'd mentioned uh, an encounter with Pearl Jam, you know, hooking up with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. I, Mark I, pretty, I pretty much met everybody. Uh, there's still a few people I'd like to meet, of course, which is always good. Oh, yeah. You know, um, what was it? Yeah, because I knew Kelly, the drummer for Failure. I believe that's his name, right? Yeah. It's been, a, it's been many moons. Yeah, Kelly Scott. He worked over it. I lived off of Hollywood and the street behind me was like, I want to say it's, I know it's not called, it was like green hell records or something. He worked at a record store. Okay. And we started talking. And then next thing you know, he was, and he wasn't in failure when I met him. He goes, I just joined this band failure. And I'm like, you joined failure. Wow. <laughs> you know? And he was like super sweet. He's real cool looking. And, you know, and he can, does a lot of, I think he does other, he's a multi everything kind of person. You oh, know? yeah. He does everything. He's actually been on this show three times. I'm um, just glad he's not just wasting away at that old record store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he became uh, one of the go to drummers for Linda Perry with all her well, stuff over the past few years. And he records people now, doesn't he? Uh, I think. Maybe I'm not thinking sure. of somebody else. My memory's wacky. I know he's he does a lot of uh, session work for, for Linda Perry. You can hire me if if you want Kelly on on a song. You can hire him. He'll it's yeah. right on his website. He's like, yeah, I'll give you a quote and uh, you. Uh, but this bank account. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got to grab something. Can you hold, please? I'm Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> One of the first shows I did it was actually with Jerry Gaskell from King's X. Oh yeah, and in the wow. middle of it, he's like, "I gotta piss." He's like, we can either record. He's like, "We can either pause, or I can just keep going while I piss." I'm like, "Well, let's just keep going." Well, just take a <laughs> So part of the show. So part of the show was Jerry pissing. All right, now you start up with. We're back with Ian. All right, and we're back with Ian. <laughs> that might be my cue to edit. So, all right, so your music. Let's talk a little bit about that because Wait, I mean, we didn't talk about where I met Nicholas Cage. I didn't even know about that one. All right, so tell me about that because he's an interesting dude. 
that was fun. <laughs> so we're on Hollywood Boulevard, and we're at the Nick Cave concert. Oh, wow. Yeah, and there's Nicolas Cage, and I'm like, I've got to meet him. <laughs> so we get our picture taken, you know, with our old camera, and it doesn't turn out. You know, we wait a week to get back black pictures. Yep. That was neat. But then later on during the night, you know, uh, he was having a mild argument with his girlfriend inside of the venue. And I'm feeling pretty dusty. And I walk up and I go, I go, hey, you like, you like Jack Kerouac? And he goes, would you just get the fuck out of here? <laughs> and I said, and I left immediately. And uh, I was like, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in close. <laughs> But see, the reason that I'd, I'd like uh, anybody to know, it's like, you know, because it's like, wow, you name drop a lot of people. And I go, yeah, of course I do, because uh, the reason is, is because I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. And I like Wichita, Kansas. I mean, it has things I love about it and things that aren't so spicy. Right. Not, not so spicy sport. And uh, but I remember, like, I worked a lot of jobs here that were um, kind of uh unpleasant and then my boss might be unpleasant and I just remember thinking man am I going to spend my entire life hanging around bosses you know yeah that I don't like or am I going to go meet Marilyn Manson <laughs> there you go which I haven't met yet of course but uh. it's just that you want to spend your I would rather spend my life and, and people don't have to be famous. I mean, I've met a lot of great people from all over the world with BRMC. Oh, yeah. And they're famous, but they, they're famous to me, you know. Um, uh, normal people that are just warm and wonderful. But I've met so many people on this road that I wouldn't have met just staying at that one job that doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of driven just to, my thing was just to get out in the world and just meet interesting people, you know. Well, so it, it sounds like you've been very successful at that. Yeah, I've been uh, been very fortunate to meet, you know, whether it's Nicolas Cage or, you know, this one dude in Arizona that's not famous, you know, yeah. uh, just cool people. So that that was the drive just to get out and um, be inspired by unique people and, and find out how they live their lives. And, you know, yeah, I mean, even. I don't know how many times I've sat on a curb with some bum, you know, and yeah. just learned their wacky, you know, street wisdom or whatever, you yeah. know. Or found myself with uh, some guy from the Crips in Kansas City, <laughs> invited back to play cards at a hotel room and pulls out his guns and he's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm the Crips. And, and uh, my friends are going, Jesus, you invited Crip back to our hotel room to play cards? I said, yeah, I said, he's cool. And I remember, <laughs> I remember saying to him, I said, man, when I come back to Kansas City, it'd sure be a pleasure, you know, to hang out with you again. And I remember he said, shit, I'll be dead by then, motherfucker. Oh, wow. And I have never had anybody say that to me. They're usually like, yeah, here's my email. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> shit, I'll be gunned down by then, baby. Well, at least he was realistic. Yeah, but something that a lot just all walks of life, just meeting interesting people, you know. Well, that's, pretty cool. Yeah, you don't have to be you know, it's famous. Not about famous it's not yeah. about famous. No, you don't have to be famous to have a good story. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, met a lot of great people. I mean, yeah, it's great when Nicolas Cage screams in your face because yeah. you're in the real, you know, the real deal. That was pretty good. Oh, that, that, I, uh, yeah, the Nick Cave concert made it even more wonderful. That, <laughs> you, you work uh, now. Are you actually working on an album album now or is it completed? It's uh, completed. Um, trying to, did I just say trying? Scratch that. Yes. Working on getting the album cover and, you know, making it smell like Spain. Yes. And, and uh, doing that. Um, yeah, it's. Because life gets busy, I'm sure you know. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, aiming for a uh, February release, but, you know, I don't, I mean, that's, I just, my fingers are crossed, you know. So I don't say plans out loud. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't announce that to the Lords. So, how um, did you get Mark Lanigan on it? Because I love Mark Lanigan. Well, it's just because he thinks I'm cool. Ah, obviously. That's a- that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, pardon me. It's kind of, yeah, I've been instigating myself into his existence for, I don't know, a hundred years or something. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I fancy what it boiled down to is he actually liked the song that I sent him. I oh. sent him a few songs. Um, I hate bothering the guy, you know, but, um, he has pretty much said in interviews if he likes something a bit, you know, then and he thinks he can do something on it, you know. And what he did was, just, I'm going, why didn't I hear that? fancy that he liked the song all right and uh he sent it back it, man he works real fast and, oh cool uh, professional and i mean he sent that back and uh you know i was floored and uh, it fit right in perfectly and he brought a whole new kind of a dimension to it okay. with something with something very simple that i again i was going why didn't I hear that? <laughs> Why didn't I hear that harmony thing there, you know? Oh, wow. He, he hears that way, and I hear this way. and But it really did it added a, I feel like, a different dimension to it that I, I'm really, um, you know, happy about and thankful for. So, Is it similar to um, the stuff you did with uh, T.O. Manuel? Like, like I, cause I was listening, I love The Woman Organic. And I have not been kind to all the women I have ever loved. Then again, I have never been perfect to my fair share and more of mistakes. But to really ponder the woman is something else, something suppressed, something like deity. Woman is an individual creature, 
most men cannot fathom. Sex, cars, telephones, that is really ice cool. caps, and loose junk. And uh, yeah. Old Angel Midnight, it, it was, that's awesome. Is, is it similar vibe or is it completely different? Yeah, um, the work with Tio is more, um, you know, that's more along the lines of rock and roll and acoustic and yeah. Um, I don't know. He's he has that kind of uh, Nick Cave and Yomotikong yeah. type of things, and 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 I got to play with him and his band up there in uh, Paris, and just the sweetest people and coolest. Uh, we were recording in this. It's not. <laughs> I want to think of the name of the studio. I wish I could give him a plug, but I just woke up a little while ago. <laughs> Send it to me, and I'll just tag him when we do the uh, Instagram All post. Right. That's right. I'm going to tip my tongue. But we recorded there, and Johnny Thunders had recorded there. Oh, cool. And so I'm like crash out on the couch in a room that Johnny Thunders had been banging around, and, you know. No. <laughs> 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 So I think his spirit was still there, you know, and it's, yeah, it was a, it was really cool recording with T.O. It was, um, he's an amazing drummer named Leon. It's really cool. And everybody in Paul Slack from the UK subs was on that. Oh, cool. Meeting him and he's a great artist and he got a new kitten that I'm in love with. And <laughs> so that was cool. But yeah, this, this, what I'm doing is, um, removed from that and far removed from BRMC. Um, I think one song has more of that acoustic vibe, you know, um, more of a, I guess, eighties gun club, uh, oh, cool city solution type of thing. Daniel De Picciato. Uh, nowhere near as good as any of that, but you know, I was going for a certain sound and, but the rest of the album is really made, uh, with the idea of not having guitar and oh, okay. they, Pretty much for um, people kind of, because life is sped up a bit, I feel, you know, it feels kind of hypertension. Yeah. And uh, I didn't want to write Pink Floyd's fucking dark side of the wall. <laughs> you know, I just, and um, I had no desire to make a really long record and I had no desire to make really long songs. I saw it more as like people on the subway because I wrote it in Berlin. So I'm thinking more of people on their way to work or getting off of work or going out for the night. Okay. People in cars with busy lives like yourself. And, you know, it's really for, it's not for people with short attention spans, you okay. know, it's people who are busy. So yeah. I'm trying to uh, put a lot in to a short time, you know, Okay. get a lot of emotions across and use it more like, uh, my whole thing was, um, I wanted to, to be more like, um, uh, like a film, not a soundtrack, but, uh, okay. I'm using more of those. I'm inspired more by film sounds and effects than I am by Jeff Beck on guitar or this, you know, it's just, uh, it's more of a, uh, if you're doing music for a film or something, so you're, or, you're looking more for the feel and the emotion of it that, rather than yeah, sounds that resonate emotional, yeah. like emotional sounds, but not just drums, guitar, and bass, you know. Right. But it's not going to be electronic dance music either. They're going to be songs that have 
a, a certain amount of depth, I guess, I would fancy, you know. I didn't picture you as an EDM guy, so that's good. Yeah, I'm not a DJ. <laughs> I do, you know, I'd spill my drink on the turntable. <laughs> but uh, it's just a different approach. I wanted to make more like a film score uh, rock and roll. Oh, I guess. Yes. You know? And uh, I think because I, yeah, sure, I'd like to make kind of a Waylon Jennings type record. You know? I can imagine that, yeah. I mean, I grew up with the whole, I mean, we like a lot of the, uh, Peter Hayes from BRMC grew up on a lot of the same stuff. And, uh, I mean, country western music, you know, and Tammy Wynette. And, oh, yeah. I mean, I love all, all the, that's, you know, and of course, Howlin' Wolf and, you know. Yep. Um, and uh, what is it, the Lurvin Brothers and Everly Brothers, and yeah, I love all that stuff. But I Tom Paul and the Glazer Brothers, everything. And uh, what's his name? No, Dolly Parton's man. No, what's it? Porter Wagner? Oh, yes, the Ballad of Fifty all. Bucks. Yeah. So I love all that. But this was an album that was written about a certain thing that happened, and I was in Berlin where it's I was really up high. You know, and yeah. it was pretty bleak, but I could kind of see the whole city and, you know, and it's Berlin. And, uh, of course, inspired by David Bowie's Low or Iggy Pop's Idiot, when, you know, type okay. stuff like that. And uh, I think I write more in a, more a, a David Bowie approach where you don't really have a band. I mean, you just, you know, and I mean, there's so much to learn about that you know, writing, but you listen to like David Bowie's black star and you go, yeah. you know, it's not. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. So uh, that was my approach. I had to keep it short. So I didn't bore anybody and bore them off the tits, yeah. you know, right. and really wanted to keep it short and sweet. And, uh, it's still emotional, you know, of course. So that's how that came about, or that approach. So the Mark song, I'm sorry, is, I don't know, it's probably more along the lines of uh, Nolan Void or uh, Depeche Mode or um, okay. Massive Attack. Oh, cool. It's, it's a different, it's a different animal, you know. How, how are you going to release it? How, how are people going to be able to find it? I've got a, I've got a, a certain uh, main man, Kevin Kelly. Okay. I got him on that now. He's the because I'm not really sure right now how it how it's going to be. I mean, we're working on many ways to get it. You know, uh, not like it's in demand. But, <laughs> well, after but, this show, it will be. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but it should be like in most formats. I just, I'm not too sure yet where it's all still in the works, you know. All right. How can people keep up with you and find out when it's released and, and how they can get it? Like um, me, how can I get it when it comes out? Uh, probably just by keeping your ears peeled from my loud fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Yes, because I was working on a website, but, you know, there's this born-again Christian guy out there with the same name as me. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's feisty. He's feisty. (laughs) He's going to fight me tooth and nail to keep his name, you know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's he's not too happy with my competition with him. Yeah. (laughs) 
he's on there, you know, he's on YouTube, you know, he's like, I'm Ian Ottaway, and this is my son, Jesus loves me and you and my girlfriend. I come out with my stuff and he's going, damn you, darn dang you. (laughs) (laughs) So who knows what's going to happen with that. Um, I've even tried to change the spelling of my name with a little I and a big A in. And that's just because I don't want to, I don't want to have a name where it's like my first initial is like capital. Okay. And then A in is little. I'm aim it's there's actually a thought process behind it. it means I'm more humble by the little I and okay. then put it in. So I don't know, it's probably just my kitten lover side. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen because it's you know, that born again Christian has it out for me. Oh man. Is there a social media presence where people can keep an eye on you? Or do they need to go through the Ask Ian segment of uh, BlackRebelMotorcycleClub.com? I can be on uh, the Black Rebel with the Ask Ian. And um, I'm also, of course, on Facebook. I don't Twitter much. I'm going to start Instagramming a little bit more once I get my camera replaced. As it was stolen in Paris. Thank you, Paris, France. Oh, jeez. It's my second mugging. I just oh, I have this... I have this look. It's like every time I go there, somebody lifts my camera, tries to get my wallet, and I usually get a ball and bun squeeze. <laughs> Man, we might, so, might want to look at where you're going. I'm up by the Moulin Rouge. Oh, okay. Well, they, there you go. They, uh, that might yeah, explain it. They want to bring me into their nudie shops. And <laughs> not really. That's what they're saying, but as there's. You know, sleight of hand is stealing from me. Uh, see, that would you know? kill me because I love my camera. My, I, you know, I went to college for photography. I did it for, you know, 15 years or so, and that would oh. just destroy me if I lost my camera. I didn't lose it. Well, it was taken from me. <laughs> Good, so point. Good point. Sleight of hand. Yeah. Like, what is this, a Dickens novel? <laughs> Man, I thank you. I really do appreciate you spending so much time with me. I have kept you for quite a while today. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.